Hey guys, it's Chris Bircher. Welcome back to Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This is episode 56, Domestication. As you may or may not know, uh, I am trying really hard to develop this R versus should problem. Uh, but I started with episode 50 and I've been working on now for six episodes uh, to sort of establish what I consider to be... The element of human suffering that I'm most curious in, you know, I I feel like my whole life I have wrestled with the person that I feel like I am and the way that I want to behave in in the world. And then the person that I feel like I should be that I've been trained is the appropriate way to act in the world and and all the things I'm supposed to be doing that sometimes I just don't disagree with or just don't want to do. And this for me creates the most cognitive dissonance. I can I can trace back. A lot of my sort of issues with anxiety or depression or just feeling not good enough to this to this sort of source of the problem. And so I'm trying in real time with the Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom podcast and videos uh, to, to, to work this out and then eventually to sort of um, organize it into some sort of uh, document that may help people. You know, I was talking to uh, my 17-year-old daughter and I, and I'm just reminded at how much of this happens when we are in our mid to late teens, when we sort of go through this identity thing, we create our identity, and I'll, and I'll talk more about how this changes through our lives. But um, last time, so well, so far I've laid out the R versus should problem. We've talked about the personal inventory and getting to know yourself and figuring out what it is you like, uh, the the bifurcation of sort of things that you have learned and. And um, things that you may not need in your life anymore or, or things you may have never thought about that just sort of automatically accepted as being the truth. Uh, I talked a little bit about what the should, the, that's, the should is a bully and the should is is the, the rules of the world trying to modify your behavior and that who we really are in the R versus should equation is based on our DNA. And I hinted a little bit in the last episode about the the, the way uh, the, uh, the belief that I'm starting to have based on my evolutionary biology background and over a decade in therapy and just sort of my scientific brain that suggests to me that the R is that there is a there there is a continuum of ways that we can honor and express the evolution of our species in the form of our individual person. And that is how well we listen to or live out or express our DNA. And so a part of this, this direction we're going is the idea that our DNA carries with it a really important list of w- ways we can become ourselves and the more that we do that, the better off we are. And sort of, you know, 30,000 feet down the track, you know, what would the world look like if we were all able to do this more? And I think it's a, it's a worthwhile question to explore. And I hope you agree with me. I mean, I really don't know. This is all happened in the last few weeks. Uh, but today what I want to talk about is the idea of domestication. And, the, and domestication is a word that I'm borrowing from Don Miguel Ruiz, the author of The Four Agreements, who is of the, um, the Eagle Knight lineage of Toltecs, the men and women of wisdom and power, uh, who have been studying for thousands of years this whole idea about how humans should live in the world and, and what it means to be alive and all these other things. It's sort of just another indigenous uh, lineage of people chasing this 
questions like like we are on knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. And I would never sort of fully um, invest in this idea, but Toltecs are simply people who seek knowledge. And in many ways, I feel like I used to believe it was sort of a a race, you know, or a tribe or a culture. But I think anyone can be a Toltec, and by the nature of asking questions and being inquisitive, uh, we all we are all Toltecs. But Miguel Ruiz used the term domestication to describe the process that it begins at birth, where individuals are, and you can insert lots of different words here: indoctrinated, trained, taught, formed um, into becoming. Good citizens, good people, good sons, good daughters, good workers. You know, the way that we are trained to live in the world. We're born without any of these skills. We're born with sort of uh, inherent, innate characteristics that I would argue are delineated by our DNA. You know, we can do things. We can cry. We will We will be able to walk and crawl if, if that's something that we're exposed to and we mirror people and show how to do it. We will go through puberty. We will be able to reproduce. Our bodies will change. We will grow. Um, our brains will work. Our, our, our eyeballs interpret light signals from our environment. There are certain structures and uh, systems that are present upon birth that work, and we do those things. And then that's largely based on how our physical body was built off of our DNA. And when I, when I talk about in the, in the previous episode, how DNA is sort of the R that describes who we are. But then part of DNA knows or was designed in the environment whereby now that individual also grows up and changes through time. And as it does this, it interacts with the messages in its DNA. Maybe we're really tall, and maybe we are the one member of our tribe who uh, does the hunting and collecting in the woods because we have a greater reach, or we are able to climb better, or whatever. Or maybe we have a um, very acute sense of hearing, and we become the watches and the lookouts and and the alarm system for the tribe, or or whatever it is. There, um, but the idea is that our lives are at least in part, if not in whole, about coming to terms with our DNA and either, if you follow the R versus should problem, ignoring and fighting against that innate material, uh, or going with the flow and saying, well, this must be how I am, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to develop this skill set. And, that, and that's part of, so it's, you know, it's a path, of the, 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 the growth of a human is about coming to terms with your inherent abilities, modifying those things, and then developing the skill sets that come with time. You can get better at things. You can learn to do new things. You can believe things. You can have thoughts. This all is, is, is the progress of, of, of a human life. Uh, so another way to look at it in the context of the R versus should problem is that domestication is the interaction of the R and the should. There's going to be feelings about of you being close to your core or feeling very strongly about doing things. And then there was going to be uh, parts of you who listen to the people who are telling you how to do things and wondering whether or not you should do things their way instead of your way. That interaction is, 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 is your life. 
And I hope I'm, I feel like I'm not being very clear about that, but it's pretty simple. You know, Jose Ortega y Gasset, who I only know because I learned about it in a philosophy class I took when I was actually a philosophy major for a year in college, my freshman year. And he said, yo soy yo y mi circumstancia. And I mentioned this in, in a couple of episodes previously, which I'll mention in the, in the show notes on the webpage, but which basically means I am myself and my circumstances, meaning you can't, no person is an island. You aren't just your DNA. You aren't, and maybe if you grew up in a closet and you never knew that there were other people in the world or you saw light or had choices or any of these things, maybe that would happen. We don't know because it doesn't. Generally, for most people on earth, you start off as yourself, and then as you go through life, you age, you grow, you burn time units, whatever you want to look at it, as you progress uh, or not progress, as you live out your life, your yo inter- interacts with your circumstantia, and then there's going to be varying degrees of your reactions as being you know, closer to you and closer to the other world, the outside world. And, and a couple of things are um, important here. You know, one part of the the nature of DNA is it's like it gives you a it gives you an outline and says, "Here you go. Here's how you should live your life." And and part of your set's going to be determined, and the way you look is going to be predetermined. And there's certain things in here that you can't change. But for the most part, uh, you you just you know you have this reference book for every new experience that you have. It'll be seen through this filter. And you will react through this filter of this information, and everybody else has a different and unique one, and they will react through their filters. And you have a couple of choices here. You can, you know, literally interpret this DNA in every moment of your entire life, and then that would be a person who lives entirely in their R. Or you can totally ignore it and seek information elsewhere and just pretend like this didn't exist, and that would be a person who lives their entire life in the should. Either way, you know, we start out as DNA. We start out with this template. We're... Inherent in that template is that we will modify things as we go. The degree to which we modify things has a lot to do with whether or not we take, you know, we listen to our intuition or we uh, listen to the environment and the world around us. Um, But either way, our surroundings are going to play a role and have an impact or have the potential to influence the way that we change. And 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 the way that we change at some scale, comes down to things like our values, our beliefs, our habits, our thoughts, our behaviors. You know whether we like chocolate ice cream versus uh, vanilla ice cream. Whether we like uh, you know automatic transmissions versus manual transmissions. Whether we're Christians or Muslims. Whether we're Democrats or Republicans. Uh, whatever these things happen, and some some things are sort of predetermined, and we will be fighting against. You know, maybe maybe your you know you you your your DNA evolved in an environment that makes you you know in, incredibly diplomatic, or you know the omniscient narrator, unable not to hear all of the voices in the world, a true empath. You know, maybe that's that kind of person. It would be difficult for them to become a white supremacist. You know, be, because. They have so much information coming to them about all the different people in the world. It would be a struggle to fight against that information and make a decision that was sort of the antithesis to that, right? Whereas, um, you know, it would be very easy for that person to sort of become, um, you know, a, a preacher or, or someone that, uh, I don't know, that's probably a really bad example, or social worker or somebody, you know, a therapist, a, a counselor that would be able to to help as many different people and understand different viewpoints. I, I don't know, maybe that's a really bad idea. Um, 
But so life is really just a series of, of reactions and choices that we make either by listening to our gut, our internal selves, our true selves, or whatever you want to call it, our R, or by being influenced by the, the, the world and the people around us and our shoulds. I'd like to sort of lay out the idea that this follows a, a potentially follows a pattern or, and you know, again, there's exceptions to every rule. But as an ecologist, I have to look for patterns. And I, and I sort of just immediately thought that this process happens in, you know, fairly discrete stages where the degree to which we, you know, which way the energy is flowing sort of changes. Like, is the energy flowing from the environment to us or from our DNA to us? Are we looking for help in making decisions? Or are we actually looking to make decisions uh, and sort of pushing in the other direction? And so I'd say... When you know from zero to five years is a, is a, is a key part where we're learning so we're you know at a higher rate than probably we ever do uh, where our brains are developing we're learning to walk we're learning to eat we're learning to make noise we're learning to communicate all of this massive you know um, uh, uh, just <laughs> uh, I want to use the word cesspool but that's not the right word you know this massive um, engineering period of our lives where we're learning so many different things, but most of them are highly functional, right? We're not necessarily learning to deal with emotions or the, the intricacies of human interactions. It's more raw. It's more, it's more bare. It's more maybe even superficial is the right word. Uh, and then that we'll call that like the early years. So things are working differently in that period as far as um, we're primarily you, you know, inhibited or, or limited by the, the genetic machinery that we have, but largely we're interacting with the, with our outside world to kind of just figure out what the hell's going on. Uh, and then the, the, the next period would be somewhere between that five years old and, you know, puberty or 12, so let's say five to 12, which I would say is your primary domestication. Now that you got the basics sort of figured out, you look like a person, you act like a person, you walk, you talk, you're not, you know, acting like a monkey or, you know, you, 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 we don't have to do too much to make sure you're going to live uh, and, and get along in the world. Now we can sit you down and teach you how it's manners and how to read and write and, you know, the alphabet and the, here's, here's a, a more sophisticated set of tools that's going to show you how you're allowed or how you can interact with the world around you. You know, primary school, da 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 da, da that whole thing. Then the most interesting period, I think, a very interesting period comes after that from like 13 to 20, where now it's sort of like, okay, who am I? You know, for the first time, you're like, what the hell? Okay, thanks for all the training. I'm in the world. Uh, I have a little bit more independence. My parents aren't around all the time. Authority figures aren't around all the time. I spend some time with my peers and we're all just kind of like, what's going on? And this is a period where you start to figure out who you are, what your identity is. And one of the primary ways we do this is to say, I'm not that. You figure out what you are by saying what you're not. And you sort of say, well, I don't like that group of people. I'm not going to be that kind of person. You know, the, uh, the smart people are nerds, and I'd rather be, you know, seen for being physically, uh, uh, have physical prowess. I'm going to get on the sports teams or, or whatever it is. So I'd call that the resistance period where you sort of have, you know, now you're, you're coming out of the shoulds. You know, for the first 13 years or so, you've been primarily listening to the shoulds. You weren't, you know, you didn't know there was a difference between you and the environment. It was all just this one big thing, which is kind of neat when you think about it. Now you're sort of saying, no, 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 no. I'm, I have independence. 
right? I'm not just their kid. I'm not just going to that school. I'm not just a member of this church. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm me, damn it. And I'm going to let the world know. And, and we all do this to varying degrees. Some of us you know, never really rebel and go through that. Some, some of us just say, no, no, I'm, a, I'm the shoulds. I'm, I'm going to just be a good little boy or girl. Um, and I'd say, you know, that happens until you leave the house, right? So probably 13 to 20. And then there's a, the next period I would call the secondary domestication period where we're like, okay, I was, thought I was pretty cool. And uh, I thought I was a big fish in a small pond. But now I realize that the world is really big. And I didn't understand that my mom's not going to wash my clothes. And I didn't understand that the money that I make working at this restaurant is not enough to cover rent. And I'm not going to be able to live on my own. And uh, okay, now you're humble again. And you go through another domestication period where you're like, okay, world, what do I need to do so that I don't end up you know, homeless on the street or whatever? How am I going to deal with this? Um, and a lot of different things can happen here. Maybe you develop a, you know, a drug addiction, or maybe you have an early pregnancy, or maybe your parents die. You know, a lot of things can sort of, sort of skew this, but I'm just talking about the general pattern. Um, I, like I said, there's exceptions to all these rules. Now, I would estimate that happens. I, you know, the end point on that is weird. I call it 2021 when you become an adult to the rest of your life to 30 to 40, but let's just call it 40. 21 to 40, you kind of do your thing. You get married, you get the house with the white picket fence, you get the right car, you get the, you know, the, 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 the company insurance policy, and you're fast-tracking to the promotions, and you have the vacations that you're supposed to have, and, um, you know, whatever. You're, 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 you're playing by the rules. You're living in the should. And then you, you know, during that period, I think it's make or break. Two things can happen. You get so sucked into that world that you just, you know, you, 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 you believe in the should and your whole life becomes working with the plan. You know, I need to make money. I need to have money. I need to dress right. I need to look right, whatever. Um, and maybe you never develop any sort of symptoms. Maybe you never feel bad about that. Maybe you never second guess yourself. Well, then fine. You lived a good life. I don't really know what that looks like. I'm considering doing some interviews so I can sort of get in somebody's head that had a life like that because I certainly didn't. I hit somewhere in midlife and went, what the hell is going on? But then again, I've always kind of asked that question, so I may be a... But I, but I do see a lot of people, um, professional people, seemingly happy people, somewhere in their 40s kind of go, ah, what happened? I didn't even realize how bad it was. I don't want any of this. Do over. What's up? And so that can begin you know, what I would call like either the double down period where you're like, all right, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm, I'm going to own it and I'm going to drive it home and I'm going to die with the most toys or another person that may be more reflective. So it's a double down versus reflective period that sort of goes, what's happened in my life? And this R versus should problem in knowledge plus experience equals wisdom in general is for the reflective people or people who want to live more in their R's uh, in general. But that reflective period is certainly where I'm at. Now you go back. Now go watch episode 50 again, R versus should. Then think about the personal inventory. Think about the shoulds and the R. Who you listen to. What do you believe? You've got to wipe the slate clean. You've got to start over. You've got to really be honest with yourself. Look at the decisions you've made and the things that you've done in your life. How many of those things were because you wanted to do them, because they resonated with something deep inside of you, or how many of those things were because that's just what you were supposed to do and you didn't really understand, or maybe you didn't understand and you did it anyway. I mean, there's a, there's a whole, whole lot of different ways this can play out. 
But that's what this is all about is admitting you have a problem, (laughs) admitting that this could be a potentially a potential solution to your problem as it has been for me and is currently for me. um, And then sort of be willing to go through the work, which will be kind of like the second part of this whole R versus should problem is the, the how, right? Uh, But we got, we got to get all this stuff out there uh, first. And so the last thing I'll say about that is that it's interesting to me that DNA and the, and the way life is set up, because I, I'm not just randomly picking DNA out of the universe and, and saying maybe this is the problem. No, 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 no. This is from observation of hundreds of thousands, millions of years of this pattern with life on Earth. The common theme over mil- millions of years is that DNA carries the, the script of life for each individual and for each species and all those different things. It reorganizes itself earlier through asexual reproduction, which didn't create a whole lot of diversity. It was slow. Then when, it, when sexual reproduction hit, now we go, all right, we're going to recombine this DNA through this mating process so that all the next generation after the, that mating event, they have a slightly different capacity, which gives, um, which gives all the offspring collectively a higher probability of survival. Because one of the things about the last millions of years is that the environment changes. And so if DNA, like asexual reproduction, was set up to make exact copies, that works great as long as the environment's the same. And if the environment's the same, those exact copies that did well before will do well again because everything is the same. But that's not the way it went. And this is why sexual reproduction probably evolved because the environment was changing. Anyway, we're given... Life and awareness, I guess, and just a little hint of, 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 you know, what we're able to do with that life. My DNA doesn't allow me to fly. It doesn't allow me to be three inches tall. It doesn't allow me to do a lot of things. It limits what I can do, but it also guides what I am able to do. And the better I am at matching that information up, my capacity for life with my environment, the better everyone is going to be. But but having said that, the, the, the flip side of DNA that's really interesting is I learn all this stuff and say I express my DNA to the 100% fullest and I'm a victor and a hero of the DNA expression in my life. And then I reach a point where I can reproduce and pass my genes on to the next generation. Nothing I've done in my life really matters. There aren't many parts of our DNA that are modified by us living as individuals, right? It's not like we learn a bunch of stuff and then it goes into our DNA and changes it and then our offspring now have that realized intelligence or learning. It doesn't work like that, which is kind of interesting. And we'll have to talk about that more in successive episodes. Uh, But I, I don't want to come across as suggesting that the better you live your life in the R, then the better your offspring are going to be. That's, that's not my point. No, I, I just think that the more we live in our R's and the more we realize the powers that we've been given in our DNA, then the better the world is 
for it. And if that doesn't make sense, don't worry because I'm going to come back to it. I've been toying with the idea of calling this um, uh, the uh, the uniqueness imperative that you know that that expressing our uniqueness by honoring our ancestors and expressing and understanding what and who we are. The more we're able to do that, the better off society is. But it doesn't change. You know, DNA is not that sophisticated yet. And there are some things in our DNA that can be modified by behaviors and environment and stuff like that and, get, and, and actually get passed on. But that's not how it works. You know, our reproductive event really just reflects what we were born with. Uh, it's, the, it's the cool part of that. You know, it's not about us. It's about, well, it is about us because our mate allowed us. You know, it's about the, the combination of us and another. And that's pretty cool. And we'll talk about that again, too. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very curious that DNA is set up uh, to be able to differentially react in situations, but not to respond through time into the successor generation. Um, but and so that that does it. Well, I guess really what that what that implies is that doesn't necessarily make the strongest argument for us having to honor our DNA and, and be more are than should. Right. That's I guess that's another point that I was trying to make is that there's no obvious evidence to suggest that, yeah, we're supposed to you know, figure all that stuff out and live as closely to the, the material we've been given as possible. No, actually, that's not. But I also don't think that anyone would argue that we're supposed to should ourselves to death. Um, I, I have said this before. I personally think the more are we can be, the better, and the less should we can be, the better. But, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to, um, you know, that falls along a continuum. And I'm sure there are some really great should people out there and some really crappy are people out there. It's not, it's not like that. It's not as, as black and white. It's a continuum. Uh, and, and we, at the end of the day, there may be some shoulds in our lives that we don't want to let go of or we don't, we don't want to deny and uh, actually make our lives better. Uh, that's not my point. It isn't, it, isn't, it isn't that universal and it isn't that black and white. Whew. Okay, I'm uh, going a little bit long, but I'm... Um, Really digging on this, and I hope you are too, and I can't wait till to see this sort of 20 episodes in um, where we are, but I will give you a little bit of heads up uh, what I'm talking about. Next week is how this, this exact thing I was just talking about, this continuum of ours and shoulds that we can exhibit as individuals in, our li- in the lives that we're given from 100% should, 100% are, and everything in the middle it becomes pretty complicated because it's not just about being a split personality. It's not just about being two people. It's not just about being more of a bully and less of a pushover or more of a, um, you know, more of a navel gazer and less of a whatever. What in the best way to understand this model that evolves once you imply the are versus should problem is we are a complex assortment of personalities and subparts. Uh, we'll talk about that more next week. I look forward to it. This is Chris Bircher. This has been Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, Episode 56, Domestication. I will see you next week. Take it easy.